Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. Praise God. I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about resting in Jesus. Recharge. How do we recharge? Amen. So real quick. I'm the youngest of four, so how many of y'all hated having a, a bedtime? Anybody? Anybody? I was always the first that had to go to bed. It seemed as if all of the fun stuff used to happen once I had to go to bed. It was like they had fun. They waited to have the most fun when I had to go to bed. And it felt like, you know what, when I get older, I'm going to have that fun too. I don't even know what y'all doing, but I'm going to be a part of it because I got to go to bed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you get older and you find yourself staying up sometimes with absolutely nothing to do. What happened to all of the fun that y'all was having when I went to sleep? And so it seems as if the older we get, we start staying up later and later and later And consequently, with staying up later means that you sleep a lot less. And if you sleep a lot less, then that means that you're getting a lot less rest. So the interesting thing about this is that rest is actually something that's supposed to help us mentally de-stress. Physically, it helps us to recharge. I learned that it helps prevent weight gain, heart disease, and even shortens illness durations. And if y'all have had any kids, you also know that rest puts you in a better mood. Amen? My wife said amen. I could never hear the kids when they was, when they was crying. I, I, I confess, I never heard the child. I never heard. My wife had supersonic hearing through the walls. She could hear every child in the house cry. I don't know how she did that. Well, maybe that was just a blessing. I got, I got to go to sleep the whole time. I'm sorry, baby. (laughs) I want y'all to take a look at this picture for a second. Look at this picture. Is it alarming? Think about it. When we're first born, zero to three months, children have the tendency to sleep anywhere from 14 to 17 hours in a day. Typically, that's split up, and it's only one to two hours at a time, and we wish it was longer in just one big chunk. Don't you just go all the way to sleep just for a little bit. Good gracious. Eat, sleep, poop, repeat. I mean, come on. But they sleep from 14 to 17 hours, and then notice how that number just tends to go down. It's something about that number going down, and I don't know about y'all, but, but I, I see how it, it goes from 14 to 17, 10 to 13, And then after 25, it's 7 to 9. And I know some people that are able to somehow function off of four to six hours of sleep. I don't know how in the world they do that. Now, I got a problem with one thing on this picture. The guy at the end, why is my man bent over like that? Why is he bent over like that? That was not exciting to me. I almost cropped him out the picture. 
but I didn't want anybody thinking they was going to die at 65. So I left them up there because I didn't want to send a wrong message because, you know, when you rest, there's life that results from rest. So, look, it's almost as if we literally train ourselves to do more with less. And we sacrifice all too often when we really need to recharge. Amen? But maybe we struggle with the idea of rest because we've had the wrong perspective of it. You see, God holds rest in high regard. In fact, it's the first thing that God did after he had finished all creation that we see in Genesis chapter 2. The first thing he did was rest. And then it says that he sanctified the day. So if God considers rest to be something that is to be embraced, to be entered into and valued, then we should as well. And not only that, but Jesus modeled this kind of rest to us. But see, rest is so much more than just sitting down doing nothing or sitting down just relaxing. The rest that Jesus offers us strengthens us. It enables us to get up and face another day. Amen? The rest that God gives us anchors our soul in the midst of life's circumstances and situations. His rest even gives us peace, even past our ability to understand it. This rest is the rest that Christ offers. This is the rest that we need to take hold of. This is the rest that Jesus walked in. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, we got to learn how to rest like Jesus. A to the man. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this time, Lord God, to fellowship with you, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that your word would fall down on good ground this morning. We are, our ears are open and we are receptive to you, Lord God. Teach us what it means to rest in this series, Lord God. Teach us what it means to trust in you, Lord God. Teach us, Lord God, that we may enter in fully into the blessing of Sabbath rest, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to learn and grow and to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So God rested and Jesus modeled. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons. You know, you know how now, the interesting thing, how sometimes God has to say something and then he got to clarify for us. Like, I'm okay, let me tell you who this includes. I'm going to just say this. So y'all know what I'm talking about? Let, let, the Lord, let, let me uh, clarify. This includes you. Your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You see, we have to be careful to pay attention to what God considers and values important. It's easy for us to continue to go, 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 go through life when God says, no, my son, my daughter, I want you to rest. Why 
I need the rest. You even heard people say, I sleep when I die. I mean, technically, you are asleep because you're dead. But I mean, but, you know, the, the, the mindset is that sleep is not important, that it's not valuable, or that it's not going to do me any good because I'm grinding it out. But God says that, that rest and sleep is, is valuable, not just sleep itself, but, but being in a restful state of mind. Amen? You see, Sabbath literally means to cease or desist. Keep in mind how important this was to the Lord. Yes, the people could not work on the Sabbath day, but do y'all notice that the animals couldn't work? God even put the animals down. Look, y'all going to sit down too. Ain't going to be no plowing. Ain't going to be no milking. Ain't going to be no eggs dropping. Nothing. All y'all stop. Sit down. All of y'all. God was not playing when it came to rest because it was that important. And all too often we miss these little tidbits, these little nuggets uh, 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 that the Lord leads in the word because we're looking around it sometimes for something greater when, when the true blessing of what God's given us is right in front of our face. Amen? Now, look, unfortunately, the Jews got this thing wrong. They, they took the Sabbath day and made it really legalistic. They would go around and harass anybody that looked like they was doing any kind of work. You was carrying a mat. They would harass you. Why are you carrying your mat? It didn't matter. They would, they would go around and they enforced this thing to the letter, even until the point of harassing Jesus when he saved a life. They had the wrong idea of what rest was. But see, Jesus did observe the Sabbath day. He did. But it wasn't just a day to the Lord. And Sabbath rest really shouldn't be necessarily just a day to us. It really should be a mindset. Sabbath rest was the way that Jesus lived, not just the day that he observed. So many of us are worn out from chasing or running after things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of us are chasing money. You, you, you getting your resume ready right now on Monday to send it out to get a new job. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of us are going through that. Some of us chasing marriage. Some of us are chasing goals. Some of us chasing acceptance. Some of us running from COVID. We either, we either chasing or running. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Trying to make a better life for ourselves when Jesus offers a better life, not through the things that we're trying to obtain, but offers a better life in him. And he offers this rest to us. He tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty, 30, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Anybody in here been tired? If you got kids, I know you tired. Especially when them kids get older and they start being involved in everything and they come home from school, you come home from work and all of a sudden you got to go to soccer practice, then basketball practice, then swim practice, and then you got to go, you got to get practice for practice. <laughs> and then you realize you get home and you tired, you ain't ate nothing, and then you wonder why the next day why your eyes all extra baggy, you were skin dark, you were tone and complexion darker, you don't know what the world happened to you. Hair falling out, that's probably why my hair look like this now. I've probably been told if I'd have learned how to go to bed, see? Golly, what was, where was this sermon at years ago, Lord? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? 
Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's look at this. Let's look at not only the rest that Jesus offers, but let's look at how Jesus rested. What did you do, Jesus? Okay, let's see. What did Jesus do when he was tired? I mean, when Jesus was physically spent, what did he do? Now I don't know if it's on. Oh, it's already on the screen. So I was going to tell y'all, wait for it. But don't that seem super spiritual? Like, what did he do when he got tired? He sat it down. He stopped, and he asked for help. This is Jesus, y'all. You see, rest is the cease of work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. In John chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, it says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now, just to let y'all know a little frame of mind, this was like a 60-plus mile walk. Jesus was doing miles for missions. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the, the field that Jacob gave to his son jo Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired, somebody say tired, from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime, the hottest part of the day. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Now look, this was a divine appointment. He was meant to meet this woman at this well at this particular time, but it was also meant to display Christ's humanity. Now, some of us might be saying, man, come on now. This Jesus. Couldn't Jesus just took, made some water, took some of the dirt, just scooped it up, made some water, and just drank it or something like that? Couldn't he? Couldn't he have done that? Yeah, he could have. He could have. But he was modeling rest for us. He literally stopped and asked this lady for some water. Why is it that we refuse sometimes to stop when we literally have nothing else in the tank? There's something on the inside of us that we've been taught from the time that we're young that tells us that we got to do it all, get it all, and we can't stop until we do. And I confess, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm a, I want to say a victim of that, but you know what, I, 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 I adopted that. I can remember my daughter being seven years old, and she was doing math in the second grade, and we couldn't quite get that regrouping thing, you know, the borrowing thing. We couldn't get that. And I made that girl say she wanted to go to sleep. She said, Daddy, I'm tired. I said, Girl, you're going to stay up until you learn how to do this good math right here. You're going to learn how to carry the one. You're going to learn how to do it. She, she sat there, and she looked at that thing, and she looked at it so long till she literally was about to pass out and fall out the chair. My, my wife was like, baby, she's tired. She, I said, she's going to have to learn how to stay up. You're going to have to learn how to stay up. Her brain literally was shutting down. And I told her, you're going to have to learn how to suffer through that. Now, I want y'all to know, I apologize the next day. I apologize the next day. First to my wife, 
and then to my daughter. Clearly, they tell you before you take a test that you need a good night's what? Because you can't think straight when you're tired. So me telling her to stay up so she could not think, so she could think worse, wasn't quite productive. <laughs> but there's something on the inside of us that tells us that we need to grind out. And if we don't grind out and we don't pass out, then we're not doing enough. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. But, it tell, but somehow we think we need to do this thing. And then we get frustrated and irritable and it impacts our sleep. We start gaining weight. We start getting sick, and then everybody else got to deal with our nasty attitude. Then it's their fault that they in the way. It's their fault that I'm driving trying to get to work because I needed to hit the snooze button about 10 times because I went to sleep at 2 o'clock. When we get to that place, y'all, we need to halt. We got to stop so we don't find ourselves vulnerable to our emotions. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When we find ourselves hurt, Angry, lonely, or what? Sometimes you don't even remember the things you say or do when you're tired. You ever said some really mean, nasty stuff to somebody when you was tired, and then you don't remember, and then they come back to you and be like, you didn't have to say that. You're like, what? I didn't even say that. We've been cool all day. And you know, you know that's true if you married. You know that's true if you married, if you got kids, and, and, and that mommy been up all night with that baby, and you get up, you ask for something like waffles, and she been like, I've been up since 3 a.m., and you going to ask me for some doggone waffles? No. What happened? I was just, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We don't know all of the things that we say or do when it is that we're tired. We have to acknowledge our limitations. We can't stretch ourselves beyond the margin that God has given us in our lives. Because when you do, when you go back for replenishment in that same area where you sold in and you don't get it, then you feel defeated and as if all of the stuff that you did was for naught. But could it be that we were looking in the wrong place? Maybe we were looking for rest, replenishment, to recharge in the wrong place. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, be wise and get some rest. Amen. What did Jesus do when he was in the midst of a storm? What did he say, y'all? He went to sleep. Jesus went to sleep in the midst of a storm. What in the world? He was in the midst of a storm. Normally, that means what? Run. And in our area, that's pretty much what we do. When the hurricanes come, you out of here. <laughs> we get out of here. Mark 4, 35 through 41 says, that day, at evening, Jesus said to his followers, come with me across the lake. Now, notice he said, come with me where? So they technically should make it across the lake. Just make sure y'all was with me. So they left the crowd behind and went with Jesus in the boat. He was already in. He in the boat. There was also other boats that went with them. A very bad wind came up on the lake. The waves were coming over the sides into the boat, and it was almost full of water. Jesus, well, first of all, I don't even know how Jesus didn't wake up. Like, I mean, like, how, how, how deep was the, where was he at on the boat? I'm sorry, I just had a moment, y'all. Jesus inside the boat sleeping with his head on a pillow. The followers went and woke him up. They said, teacher, don't you care about us? Y'all ever ask the Lord that? 
where you at? We are going to drown. Jesus stood up and gave a command to the wind and waters, and he said, quiet, be still. Then the wind stopped, and the lake became calm. He said to his followers, why are you afraid? Mm. Do you still have no faith? Or as the King James say, O ye of little faith. They were very afraid and asked each other, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the water obey him. You see, rest is having peace of mind and spirit. Being free from anxiety or disturbance. Now, to be clear, to be clear here, it wasn't that Jesus' physical life wasn't in danger. He was in the middle of what? And the waves were so big that they was coming into the, into the boat. And he was with fishermen, okay? They lived their lives on the sea. They knew what a bad storm looked like, and I'm pretty sure they knew what it looked like when they was about to die. They knew what death looked like too. So I ain't even mad at them for going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we about to die. I can't imagine what Jesus' face looked like when he, looked, when he woke up. Y'all know how it was when we wake our parents up. Oh, boy. Y'all know. What's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the phrase you hear? Boy, don't you see me sleeping? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't nobody like to be disturbed, disturbed from sleeping. Jesus was asleep. He got up. Oh, you're going to wake me up. I ain't even mad at them for doing that. It wasn't that his life wasn't in danger because it was. But it was because Jesus knew who was with him that enabled him to stay in a, rest, a restful place. It didn't mean that there wasn't a disturbance externally to him, but that he was free from its control and not giving into it. See, sometimes when we go through a storm, that storm, that's everything that's happening on the ex outside of us starts to influence us on the inside. Amen. If somebody's hurt in your family, if somebody's sick in your family and we have these thoughts and we create this imaginations of uh, we, we, we create a movie in our mind of how that situation can come out. Then all of a sudden you can't concentrate at work. You running red lights sometimes you driving and you ain't thinking about anything at all. You just sitting there just. All because of what is going on on the outside of us. But Jesus found rest internally that helped him to be restful on the outside. You see, he knew who it was that was with him, and we need to know who it is that is with us. The presence of God is an anchor for us, for our soul, when things get crazy. Think about it. Jesus was asleep in the boat. They asked Jesus or told him, do you care that we perish? I know Zayah said earlier, Lord, where you at? He was in the boat. Did they really think that they was going to die with Jesus in the boat? How many times do you think that you're really going to die with Jesus in the boat? We're not talking about your friend that's in the boat. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about. The friend who ain't been through what you've been through. That friend that done told you, oh, you just need to do this. That friend that done told God all the answers. We ain't talking about that friend. We talking about the friend that's thinking closer than a brother. 
We're talking about the friend that created all things. We're talking about the friend that gives you life and life more abundantly. Do you really think that God is going to let you die while he's in the boat? But if he ain't in the boat, you probably should be afraid. I understand why you scared or scarred when he ain't in the boat. I didn't live that life when Jesus won't in the boat or when I took Jesus' ticket away before he could get onto the boat. Jesus, you can't take this ride with me down here to this good old sin I'm about to do. Come on now. I done kicked Jesus off the boat sometimes and then found myself like, Lord, please, somebody, somebody get me out of this storm. But you are not alone. Our God is not slack concerning his promises, and he does not sleep nor slumber. And if we know who it is that God is, that no man can pluck us out of his hand, then it doesn't matter what storm that you're going through. You can find rest, peace of mind, and spirit in the midst of your storm. You don't got to ask God to just make the storm go away. Isn't it a much better and bigger testimony to say that you went through the storm? Sometimes the only way, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Try to go to Norfolk right now. You got to go through the doggone HRBT. You got to go through it. And if it's the middle of the day, what you got to go do? Get in that nasty traffic. You just got to go through it. God, you know I don't want to do this. You know I don't want to do this, but what you got to do? Hit 64 and get on in it. Sometimes you just got to get on in it. Tell your neighbor, get on in it. Get on in it. Because if you know who is with you, you can endure the storm. You can endure the suffering. The scripture says that God has made us more than conquerors. But you can't conquer nothing that you ain't had to get on in. Sometimes you got to grit your teeth and just know it's going to suck for a little bit. It's going to be hard for a little bit. And if you've ever had surgery, you know what, it, what I mean. You got to get on in it. You got to get into rehab and you got to work hard. And it's going to be hard for four to six months. That's just what it's going to be. But if you know who's with you, it somehow gives you the strength to be able to deal with what you know is waiting for you on the outside. I'm not waiting for outside to be good, to rejoice on the inside. We're supposed to live life from the inside out, not the outside in. If you're waiting for it to be sunny all the time, to smile, honey, you're going to wait a long, long time. You better learn how to smile when it's sunny outside and when the waves are crashing. Because the source of our peace, the source of our joy, it's not in how good you treat me, but how good he has treated me. And if you know that, yes, you will ask God to move the storm. But if he don't, you'll ask him to walk with you through it. Amen? Somebody give God some praise. We got to learn how to trust like Jesus, rest like 
Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Yes, sometimes the, the, storm, the storm is coming in and, and you can't avoid it. But if you trust in God, he will be with you. Psalms 34, 7 through 9 says, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. Somebody say a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those that take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they what? In the storm. You can have peace of mind and spirit and be free from anxiety when you know that God is with you because he's greater than the storm that you're in. Amen? So lastly, what did Jesus do when his situation didn't change? Y'all ever prayed that God would change the situation? I mean, God, I really need you to change this. I really need you to make that. I really need you to, to change this. Lord, I need you to show up, God. I need you to. We, we, we need God. I mean, when you, really, when you really find yourself in a place of need, what did Jesus do? He took rest in God's word and character. You see, rest doesn't only mean to be, have a, Peace, to be at peace in your mind and your spirit or to be free from anxiety or, or disturbance, but it means to trust and be confident in. You see, God's name is holy and righteous. His name was so, it's, 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 the, the Jews respected God's name so much that they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even just say his name. They would, they would whisper. They would whisper God's name because they had such a reverence for God's name. And I understand it. The, the word of God tells us that Jesus' name is, is the name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus' name itself is holy. At the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, people are healed. Just his name causes things to happen. God says that a good name is better than riches, silver, and gold. And yet, God puts his word even above his own name. If God says that his, his, his name is holy, but God says not only is my name holy, but I, I place value on my word above my own name. Because the word is what emanates from God's heart. Man speaks from the abundance of his heart. The words that come out of God's mouth is what is in his heart. And God's word is indicative of his character. So he won't say something that he won't, in fact, do. So his, his, his word is higher than his, than his name even. Psalms 138.2 says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Even Jesus had to trust and rest in the word of God. He called his father his God. This is an example of how it is that we should live. We sometimes find ourselves reaching to things when we find ourselves going through stuff. But what is it that we're reaching to? 
And then when we find those things, sometimes it's your spouse. Sometimes it's your friends or godly. Even sometimes it's the church. You call the church, and I need you to help me out. But could it be that we've reached out to the wrong things? But if we learn how to reach out to the Word of God, if we learn to reach out to God's Word, then we can understand God's character. So in when God does and moves how it is that he moves, we won't find ourselves being angry with God, telling him that he don't love us and that he's not with us because he did not do what we wanted him to do. But if we would have read that word, if we would have took that Bible and opened it up, if we would have allowed ourselves to rest in who it is that he is, then we could understand, okay, that's why, God, that's why you said it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your children have asked you for a lot of things, and you didn't have to tell them no many times. My kids didn't know why brushing their teeth was important when I told them. Brush your teeth. You don't got to understand. You five, brush your teeth. You don't need to know. You don't need to know why brushing your teeth is important when you five. Wait till you 50, and then you'll see why brushing your teeth is important. And what's a five-year-old don't understand ginger fighters anyway? We don't understand all of the things it is that God is. We're not God. We can't understand how he knit the world together. But we do know how to trust and obey. We need to get in his word to understand who it is that he is. Jesus found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane with that very thing right there, having to trust. Matthew 26, 38 through 42, Jesus said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Now, real quick, this is one spot in the Word of God where we see Jesus' divinity and his humanity clash. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man all at once. And we see his divinity and his humanity clash. Jesus knew what was around the corner. He knew what it was that he was about to endure. He knew that Judas was selling him out for a Chick-fil-A meal. He knew. He knew Judas was selling him out. He knew that they was about to come get him. And he asked God, God, if there is a way that you can take this possible, Lord, if it's a, a chance that I can do it, we can do this a different way. Please let it happen. But then Jesus said, but not as I will, but as you will. Then he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. They was, they was, they was getting some rest. Jesus, you were sleeping on the boat. I mean, you told him, I tried. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you fall not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now notice this. He went away a second time and prayed. I missed this part until studying for this sermon. A second time. My father if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. 
See, this is the place that we have to get to in our walk with Christ, in our relationship with God. When you ask God something and he tell you no, okay, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. See, Jesus knew the Father. He was in the Father, and the Father was in him, and he knew that if God would tell him no, that God had a purpose and a plan for what it was that he was going through, that his suffering would not be for naught, that it would be not for just no reason at all that he would go through such a terrible and unimaginable, unimaginable thing. The same is truthful of us. You're not going through the stuff that you're going through for no reason. Our God is a good God, and he is a, a, a parent that disciplines and loves not at, the, at, not at a whim, but his discipline is always for our benefit. His teaching and his leading is always for our benefit. When God says no, it's always for your benefit. When God says yes, it's always for your benefit. When God says wait. It's always for your benefit. And when he told Jesus no, it was for his benefit. It was for his benefit. Amen? We got to find ourselves in a place where we trust like Jesus trusted. Christ was in agony, even until the point of death. He found himself on the cross. Yelling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But God is not slack concerning his promises. And it's in them times of no. It's in them times of wait. It's in those times of not yet that we have to rest. We have to trust and be confident in who God says he is. This is what recharges your faith. This is what strengthens you and helps you to walk and face what it is that you're currently in right now. Look at it. Mary and Martha, they sent a messenger out to Jesus to tell Jesus that the one that he loved was about to die. In other words, 911, Jesus, I need you to get down here and heal my brother. Don't forget you love him too. Heal him, Lord, because if you don't come, he's going to die. Jesus waits. He waits. Can you imagine how that felt to Mary and Martha? Every day going to see their brother suffering, they knew he would, something bad could happen. But they had to rest and trust. I don't know how, but somehow, Jesus, you're going to show up. Didn't happen when they wanted, but they had to rest in who Jesus was. Look at Jairus. Jesus is in the middle of a crowd preaching. Jairus approaches him. He's a, he is a man of renown. People know who he is. He serves in the temple and the synagogues. And he comes to him. He says, Jesus, look, my daughter is about to die. 911, Jesus. My daughter, you know, 
You made it. She about to die. I need you to show up. Jesus says, okay, I'll walk with you to the house. Now, I don't know how long that trip was, but on their way to the house, some of Jairus' servants show up, and they say, look, there ain't no need to bother the master no more. It's okay. It, 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 your daughter done already died. Jesus looks to Jairus, and he says, Jairus, only believe. Notice Jesus could have just spoke the word, and she would have been healed right then and there, but Jairus' faith would not have grown if Jesus would have did it immediately. Jairus had to, he had to wait. He had to rest. Can you imagine that walk with Jesus? Man, Jesus, I sure hope you do this. I sure hope you do this. Because she dead. She done dead. She dead as a doorknob, as my dad would say. But he walked with her. He walked with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And here is Jesus going to God twice, asking if there's another way. And even Jesus had to wait. Even Jesus had to rest. We got to tell God today, let your will be done. Jesus did endure the cross. And it was the most painful thing imaginable. We oftentimes focus on the physical pain that Jesus went through. But it was the fact that this was the first time in all eternity that Jesus had ever been separated from the Father. Jesus paid for our sins, yes, but he took our place. He died the death we should have died. The scripture says that he that knew no sin became it. He literally became the thing that God hates for the benefit of you and I. That we can enter into rest. That we can be reconciled to the Father. That we can have relationship with God. That we can be a child of God. That we can trust in God. That we would walk with God. That we would know God. Jesus became sin. He became it. And the Father had to turn. He had to turn. This is the equivalent of like really having to disown your child. And because God is who he says he is, he spared not even his own son. How much more does he love you? What, what is it that God would not give for you? What is it that God would not do for you if he would give his own son to die? What is it that is worth more than life? and precious innocent life to be exchanged for ours for mine I don't know about you I know who I am I know what I done did I'm not worth a drop of that blood for real but he gave it anyway because he loved you and because he loved me so Christ looked to the cross and he embraced it. He despised the shame, but he took it. 
The scripture says it's cursed everyone that hangs on a tree. And Jesus took it. And he was, he died. And they buried him in a tomb. But three days later, three days later, three days later, oh, y'all can clap more than that. Three days later, he got up. He got up with all power in his hands. All power in his hands. He got up that we would have hope, that we would have life. He got up. Jesus' pain became our greatest victory. And so was it for Mary and Martha. Lazarus did die. But when Jesus showed up, Jesus asked him, do you believe that your son, that your brother will rise? She said, yeah, Lord, of course. She's thinking about the day of resurrection. No, I mean like now. Huh? Jesus, he stinks. Like, he been there a minute. It stank up in there. <clears throat> Jesus cries out, calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus gets up. When Jesus and Jairus get to Jairus' house, there are people in there mourning. Oh, she dead. Oh, she dead. Jesus kick them all out. All y'all, get out of here. Jesus goes in there. And he told them, she just sleep. But she was dead. But notice how, how the Lord called death sleep. They said dead. He said sleep. He speaks to her and said, little girl, get up. And I guarantee you that if we learn how to rest in Christ, if we learn how to rest like Jesus rested, we will find ourselves walking in victory, recharged, ready to go, ready to face whatever situation is awaiting us. Let's stand all over the building. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at LifehouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at LifehouseOnline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.